Katie Bennett Stenton, a senior B2B marketing professional with a real interest in digital transformation, change management and developing amazing content. I live in Melbourne, Australia with my husband and two somewhat delightful children, although we're in the middle of uh, lockdown two and homeschooling, so, you know. Having worked in marketing roles in the UK, US and Australia, I've met many inspiring people and benefited enormously from the power of network and community. In this Katie Talks podcast series, I uncover the stories of influencers sharing their thought-provoking business and leadership insights. And today, talk about influencers. I'm speaking with Marion Farrelly, recovering reality TV producer, podcaster, keynote speaker, MC, social commentator, lover of Chanel bags and gin. And when I say reality TV producer, I'm talking BBC, Big Brother and Celebrity Apprentice. Marion, welcome. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you today. I am so delighted to be your guest because you've had some very interesting heavy hitters on. And every time I listen to something, uh, one of your podcasts, I find myself stopping and making notes and thinking, oh, I'll use that in the future. <laughs> and that is a sign of um, a very good podcast. So thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, you're extremely generous. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation. So, Maz, let's dive right in. You were the executive editor of Format Entertainment at the BBC in London. So everything that's a format was part of your slate, basically all the good stuff that makes money and keeps coming back over and over, as I mentioned a minute ago, including Big Brother and Celebrity Apprentice, along with lots of others. Now, that's just slightly impressive. When we were chatting, you explained to me that you used to pitch new show ideas to the cleaners. Why? Yes, I, uh, well, the cleaners were generally uh, my audience, not really people who make TV. And also the people, so I don't like a mirror reflecting my image back to me because I know what I look like. You know, <laughs> I know my opinion. So I have friends on Facebook who have absolutely opposing views to me. And I really like it because I think if I don't see those opposing views, I don't know what's coming up in the world. I don't know what people are thinking. I know what I'm thinking. But what's the point in that? Mm -hmm. So I ask my audience and I always ask people who don't have a vested interest. So if you think your bum looks big in something, don't ask your partner or your best friend. <laughs> ask <laughs> a, a passerby or, you know, in a shop. Don't ask the salesperson. Do you think this suits me? Because they'll be looking at you thinking 10%. You know, ask another person. Uh, so, yeah, I like to ask, I like to have very opposing views. And what I used to do with pitches is I would say to uh, the cleaners, um, can you, so I'm going to tell you what the show is about. Can you tell me what it's about? And if they could repeat it back to me, I knew it was a good pitch. I knew it was a simple pitch and a simple idea. Uh, and I do, you know, in the old days when I used to take Ubers, I would say, you know, do you watch TV? And uh, they said, yes. I'd say, I have this idea for a TV show. And I would say it to them. So would you watch that? And they oh my God, yeah, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tell me, describe it back to me. And if they could describe it back to me clearly, uh, then it's a good idea. Making something simple is the most complicated thing you will ever do. And I see it in business a lot. So I do lots of corporate work with companies, with individuals, helping them with their messaging. And generally, it's very complicated 
And I say to my clients, imagine this. Imagine I'm going to give you a million dollars. And I'm going to take back $10,000 for every word you use. <sighs> Think about every word you use. We write scripts. So say a commercial hour is 47 minutes because you obviously have commercials. Sure. And I say to my teams, write a script. It'll be about an hour and a half. Then cut it back, cut it back, cut it back. Lose all the fat, lose all the white noise, lose all the cliches. And just give me something that is really captivating and interesting. And if you do that, your messaging works. If you don't do that, you sound like everybody else. And if you sound like everybody else, I can throw a dart at the wall and whoever it hits, I can employ them or fire them. If you're different and you have a unique point of view and you are not cliched, I can't replace you. I can't replace you. I can't replace your company. So you have to be different. You have to bring me something different to the party. And you think Mel B hasn't had a track out, you know, in 400 years. I work with Mel B. I'm a big fan of her. She's a lovely woman. <laughs> but she's still monumentally famous. Yes. You know, her message is very clear. She's scary spice. She never turns up for work and says, do you know I thought I'd be today? I thought I'd be warm and uh, maybe stroke a kitten. What do you think? <laughs> you know, very clear messaging. Trump, very clear messaging. If you have very clear messaging and it's different, you're going to win. I, I think you're, oh, that's, that's so interesting. And I think your, your comment about uh, having views that are the opposite of yours uh, constantly as part of what you're consuming is, is so important. And, and I, 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 it seems to me that less and less people are open to, to doing that or, or choose to do that these days. It's vital. I love, I love having people around me who just disagree. There was a guy I worked with uh, at Fremantle uh, in Australia, and I used to call him Dr. No, because I said, you think this is good? Oh, no, no. And I would literally go, over to Dr. No for your comments. And it was brilliant, because what you don't want to do is take something to market that doesn't work. No. So in TV, what we do is we come up with 100 ideas, we'll pitch three. And we kick things to death. And we, you know, we try and kill as many ideas as we possibly can. I helped create Q&A uh, on the ABC. And very proud to say it's still Did going, you? you know, 10 years on. Mm -hmm. Still, yeah. Uh, and still uh, employing lots of people. Yeah, I'm very famous for making reality. But I actually make uh, lots and lots of uh, different kinds of TV. Broad appeal, you know, mass marketing mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, and I think... One of the things that we did on that is we came up with 100 ideas and then we just lost them. You know, lose that, no, lose that, other people are doing it, that won't work. And the things that made it kind of unique, you know, that you couldn't throw a dart at the wall and, you know, hit anything, it was a little bit different, is we said, have the ticker of the Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, quite new at the time uh, because I want... People who are watching have a voice because people in the audience do in the studio. Yes. But I want everyone to be able to have a voice. And I think that's very, very, very important in companies. In, invite everyone into the room, just not the usual suspects. And we also did something that I think was very clever that we didn't think was really as clever at the time. I think actually looking back, it was very clever. Uh, we didn't just have politicians on the show. Yeah. And have a think about Christmas. So Christmas, you know, at your house, you hate all your family. And you're all going to sit around and argue, unless 
<laughs> you invite in one of the neighbours, <laughs> and then you'll all be on your best behaviour. Yeah. Uh huh. If you have a panel of just politicians, they'll fight. If you add someone else into the mix, they won't. <laughs> they'll be on their best behaviour. So we did something that was just very, very, very simple, uh, and but very smart because you know, see previous being simple is the hardest thing you'll ever do the hardest thing coming up with a simple message most difficult thing and you know uh, this of yeah. course with your background oh absolutely was the christmas analogy part of your thinking when you when you were putting the idea for q a together yes i mean i said to them my ideal lineup would be you know three or four politicians and mel b <laughs> mel will be at the end of the panel saying i think you're lying yeah you know, no that's nonsense stop shouting at him you know i just want to hear the answer you know she's mm -hmm. she's the normal person in the room she's obviously not you know a normal yes. person but she's representing us lisa williamson i think was one of the best people that was ever on there you know she was interesting and smart and yeah i think doing something that is different i say to people all the time do the same as everyone else but make it better which is what the voice did with the X Factor. I used to make the X Factor and the voice came along and they did us, but they did it better than us. Or you do the exact opposite. And Gogglebox was the exact opposite of every other TV show that was out there. It's a TV mm -hmm. show about people watching TV. Mm -hmm. The maddest <laughs> pitch. So I think, yeah, you either do what everyone else is doing, you do it better, or you do the exact opposite. I love the exact opposite. When you do the exact opposite, you stand out in the marketplace. Yeah, you have yeah. To stand out. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Marion, you say that being a TV producer is a really odd job, and that you become an expert in bizarre things. And you know, a few that you reeled through, for example, were that you created a house of Big Brother. You've had death threats against contestants, and had to seek advice as to where snipers could hide, which is a particular favourite of mine. Uh, you're a financial manager. You've got twenty million dollars to spend in four months, and you're a trainer. You've sometimes only got four minutes to get somebody ready. So my question mm. is: In the world, what do you know for sure? Um, I know that. People are people, whatever you're doing, and it really, you know, audiences are your clients, they are the government's voters. We're all exactly the same, really, but we think that audiences are different. But here's a funny thing uh, if someone sends you something funny, uh, you know, on your phone or on your laptop, mm -hmm. you don't at any point think, oh, I'll just send that to my A, B, C1 demographic, uh, <laughs> but I'll only do it to my 18 to 35 year old. <laughs> you sort of do it in business, it's, it's very odd to me. And I think you obviously, you know, if you're selling uh, plus, you know, replacement hips, you're not, you know, looking at the teenage market. Mm -hmm. But with general messaging, uh, I think lots of companies get it wrong because they forget that. When they walk in the door to work, they're the same people that are watching TV and laughing about stuff outside of work. But somehow we turn ourselves very much down. We try to be like everyone else. And there's an extraordinary danger in that, I think. And thinking differently about everything we do is vital. And I say this to companies and individuals all the time, and it sounds fantastically cruel, but it is 
the exact opposite because everyone needs to know this. And I know this from you know making content for 25 years. It is not my job to be interested in you or your business or your website or your book. It is your job to be interesting. So I'll say that again. It is not my job to be interested. It is your job to be interesting. If your website is not interesting above the fold, I will not scroll down. I will not click through. If your book isn't interesting, I won't read it because I'm busy. Yes. If your content isn't interesting, I will not watch it. If your showreel isn't interesting, you know, I simply won't watch it. And people kind of forget that. And we have prime real estate. But prime real estate is, you know, the first 30 seconds that you meet someone. And in TV, if the show isn't interesting in 30 seconds, you're gone, Katie, and you will yeah. never come back. And you will tell everyone, don't bother. It's not very good. Don't mm-hmm. bother. And that's $20 million down the drain. So we're very aware of it. We're aware that we have to grab your attention very quickly and keep it. And I think that, you know, businesses and companies and individuals forget this sometimes. And I, you know, I've been in screenings where, you know, the first six minutes are really dull and I've had to stop it and say, I'm so sorry, but this just, this just, no. And they go, no, it gets really good. Eight mm-hmm. minutes in, it gets really good. They're brilliant. Well, should we write to everyone in the country and say, please watch the show. Uh, seven minutes, bit dull. Eight minutes, warms up. <laughs> But do we put something up at the beginning? Oh. Please watch the show. It gets interesting in eight minutes. <laughs> no, we have to make the first 30 seconds. Fabulous. And if you do, you hook me in. And I teach people, uh, I call it how to enter a room and own it, and how to have the X factor. And you know yourself, if you are on a Zoom or if you're on a call or you meet someone and the first you know, 30 seconds or minutes is boring, you're gone. Yes, yes. You know, We use the remote control. We just switch you off. And I think uh, what I know for sure is that people forget that. They forget that in business. And it is vital. Your primary estate, make it interesting. If you do, you've hooked me in and I'll stay with you. And then at least you can pitch me. Mm. I'd love to explore that a bit more. We had a really interesting conversation about the way that we present ourselves at work and, and, you know, to your point a few minutes ago that most people tend to make themselves less interesting at work. Um, you said that you are observing a really pleasing trend away from people doing this. Um, I'm really keen to yeah. understand more about your thoughts on that. I think we are, I think one of the things that's lovely about uh, working from home is that we're seeing each other's homes. And when we tell each other our backstories and we know more about each other, we humanize ourselves, we humanize each other and we feel warm. And I think one of the things that is interesting, I was thinking about that guy, I think his name was Professor uh, Robert Kelly, Professor Robert Kelly. He was the professor on the BBC and his kids ran into the background and his Uh, wife came and grabbed the kids. Mm -hmm. And it went viral. I think if that happened now, we just that in Ireland. Yeah, if you do a Zoom call or you do something online or on a small screen and a child doesn't run in or a dog doesn't bark or you know a partner doesn't come in in the nude, you're really shocked. <laughs> <laughs> me, we got through a whole thing without it's a good one. <laughs> yes, so I think the world has gone slightly topsy turvy in a way that we are we're kinder, I think, to ourselves and each other. We are. We're not less professional, but we're professional, but we're reasonable. And 
you know, you said, uh, you know, I'm so sorry, I had tech issues this morning. <laughs> and yeah, of course you did, because that's what happens in life. Yeah. Maybe a year ago, we wouldn't have been as accommodating. You know, if I said, uh, I'm so sorry, someone's mowing the lawn outside, it's very noisy. You can't be cross with me, because I, you know, I can't affect that. I can't no. change that. No. So I think we are, as individuals and as companies, I think we are a little bit kinder. I mean, one of the things that slightly depressed me at the beginning of COVID was, uh, I'm sure you've seen it, and if uh, anyone who's listening hasn't seen it, do watch it. It's a video called, Why Are All COVID Videos the Same? Mm. And someone's cut together uh, the big videos from the big companies in the States, and they are identical. Yeah. Soft piano music, sweeping shots of empty landscapes. We're all in this together. You know, we've been in business since, you know, mm -hmm. they've all done exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, again, it's throw a dart at the wall. And wouldn't it be wonderful if someone did something different? You know, if they did something where they sent around a load of memes or a load of funny videos saying, yeah, you're watching the same stuff as us. You know, you're at home, yeah. you're getting fat. You know, we're all in this. Yeah, you know, we're watching the same funny stuff. We're getting fat together. And you know what? You know, we're going to try and make it a little bit better. So we're offering you this. And speak to me like I'm a sensible, you know, interesting human, I think. So that, yeah, yeah the videos that have come out have made me a little bit cross. You think you're a creative department. And, you know, you've got to be creative. Put your name on the door, you know. You've got to mm. up your game. Mm. If you want yeah. us to watch it, yeah. you know, it's not my job. It's not my job to be interested. Yeah, yeah. Now, Marion, when we spoke earlier, we were talking about the fact that, just building on that, that a bit more, that uh, the, you know, the COVID-19 messaging, irrespective of what part of the world you're in, uh, is, is basically stay home and wear a mask. And, you know, we talked about the fact that this messaging just is not hitting the mark. If you were responsible and in charge, what would you, what would you do? <laughs> How would you approach it? I'm, I'm keen to hear this. Um, and please call me Maz. The only people who call me Marion are um, the tax people. Is that Marion Farrelly? No. Uh, I would do, I'd do the opposite of, you know, I would do the opposite. I would do something that is a little bit scary. Because I think when we need people to pay attention, we need to sort of, you know, drop a ton of fish in front of them. You go, oh my God, you know, we need something that's the equivalent. I would do something, I would do something like uh, how to kill your friends. And I would show someone leaving the house, just going, you know, see you later, mum. Uh -huh. And, you know, see everyone that you touch, do a top shot and, you know, infrared or something. And you can see, you know, the virus moving from me to that person, to that person who then goes there, who then goes there, who then goes there. Uh, and the final thing I would do is probably something like one little domino and then just watch all the other dominoes fall. Because I think that's what COVID feels like to me, that it's one bad decision and mm. the knock-on effect is very extreme. So I would do something... At the moment, I would do something that is very scary, 
but for everything else at the moment, if I was making anything else at all, I would make it funny mm-hmm. because content always reflects the state of the nation, the state of the world. And when we're afraid, we like stuff that is comforting and funny, uh, which is why shows like Bake Off do really well you know, in times of trouble. Uh, because you think people are crying about pastry, I feel very safe. You know, comedy cuts through. Mm. You know, we all want to watch something that's, you know, powerful and funny. So, um, yeah, for for the mask situation, I would do something quite drastic and quite dramatic. So I think, you know, I really liked um, Nick McCann. I think it was who did Dumb Ways to Die, uh, and that yeah. was, yeah. you know, for I think it was. Melbourne trams wasn't it yes yeah a long time ago uh but it was the exact opposite of what you would expect because you would expect someone to say uh you know it's very dangerous you've got to do this but they did the exact opposite they go hey come along we'll show you some dumb ways to die if you want give them a go and you're watching it and it's catchy and the song is saying something that's the exact opposite what it should be you know mm. what the music should be telling you mm. so um something it's like cheery that and through. happy yeah and you share it because you've seen this it's really clever. Mm. yeah have yeah you seen this? it's really clever you think if you want something to go viral you have to make me want to share it mm. and companies say all the time you know i really want this to go viral my stuff's been watched about eight billion times so i mean huge figures so i completely you know i'm an expert in content creation and what audiences watch and, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with uh, companies and with individuals about their content. And, you know, there is a way of doing it. It's, you know, I say to everyone, everyone can pick up the phone and make a video. But if you want people to watch it, you really need to get an expert in, really. Mm. And you pick up, that went viral. You say, yeah, but how many other videos were available in the world at that point that didn't? Because mm. <laughs> that's the number you want to look at, not the number, you know, the one. Because I tell you what, there's a lottery winner every week. But I'd be very interested in the figures of the people who didn't win because they're the ones that I think are quite interesting. Oh, yeah, I, I'm loving this conversation. I tell you, I wish, I wish a government in this country would, or somebody would, sit up and listen to your ideas and talk to you about a different campaign to make people sit up and listen and actually. Yeah, I really want to. Yeah, I want to work with politicians. I really, really, really do. Because I think, you know, we talked about when we um, first spoke, and we said we'll talk for 10 minutes, and we spoke for about eight days. Yes. (laughs) And another thing, uh, and we talked about Trump. And Trump, for me, is the king of messaging. He's not my particular, you know, he's not my particular political slant by any means. Uh, You know, but there's an audience for him. And, uh, you know, can... You know, he's allowed to say what he wants, of course. Uh, but he's he's a genius. He's a genius. I heard him on the radio, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, talking about the postal vote. And obviously, he doesn't want the postal vote to happen. No. Uh, and he was blaming China for it. So I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch. I, I I didn't catch that particular angle. What? Why? 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 Exactly. Is it the China virus uh, because, that he refers to, uh, no, or? It's what they want. They China, want the postal vote. China do. The postal vote. China, yeah, China apparently uh, want the postal vote. So we're not going to. I don't think they should have it. And you think, what's China got to do with it? But oh. suddenly, the po- 
postal vote is now looking like, you know, it's being interfered with with China. You know, what they can say, impersonating postal staff, and you know, it's just bonkers. But he says stuff like this constantly, and it's so smoke and mirrors. He's a magician. He says something like that, and you suddenly start to wonder if the postal vote's a good idea. You know, what am I thinking? Of course, it's a good idea. Make America great again. And if I said to you, Katie, tell me three political statements from the last hundred years uh, from anywhere in the world, just give me three. Uh, it's time. Coquitlam. Uh, oh, geez, I study politics undergrad. I It's Friday morning, oh, no. man. My brain. What is wrong with no, me? No, Katie, it is not you. It is not you. Oh. It's them. It is not you. It is it's absolutely it is them. Oh, they are not delivering messages. No, but that's my point. You can't yeah. remember them because they're not memorable. You know, they are not memorable. If you want me to remember something, make it memorable. I'll remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, really you can remember ads. You can remember, you know, eighty five thousand ads. You can remember the lyrics to eighty five thousand songs. But we can't remember political statements because they don't work. I was yeah. in uh, with uh, the government a couple of years, years ago about um, a show, a uh, health show. And at the end of the meeting, someone said, so what other kind of things do you do? And I said, I get people to vote for people they don't know and outcomes that don't affect them. And we ask them to pay for it. And they do. <laughs> they pay to vote people they don't know the outcomes that don't affect them so that's the power of amazing storytelling that's the difference between really great wow. storytelling very clear messaging very simple language which is really difficult to do and more people more young people voted uh the winner of britain's got talent in the uk because voting isn't compulsory mm -hmm. more young people voted for the winner of britain's got talent than in the general election i mean they are terrifying statistics they are terrifying more people cared about yeah a dancing dog than education healthcare, you know Brexit. weaponry hmm. Oof. i know could, um, terrifying terrifying we could dig into that let's uh and i'd love to but we have some other interesting stuff we need to talk about Maz. when you're editing a show i love this you don't watch the screen but instead you watch other people in the room and observe how long it is before they pick up their phones. And this just seems like such a superb example about the importance of paying attention to other people. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I want to see what the weak points are. So I want to know everything that is wrong with it before it goes to market. Uh, so I like to see how long I can keep their attention. Uh, TV people are very brutal. You know, I'm great to look at content because I have a very tiny attention span. <laughs> and if I'm not interested, I'm gone very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and it's because, you know, it's been very finely tuned uh, over the years. Uh, but yeah, I'm very, I know what's on the screen. So there's no point in me looking at the screen because, you know, my team made that. I need to see the reaction of my customers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like going into a store. Don't look at, you know, the shelves. Look at who's looking at the shelves and how they're looking at the shelves. And, you know, 
when you analyze your stats, you know, people aren't watching your content. And I look at really big companies and they'll have, you know, 85 views. You think, right, so that probably cost you about $20,000. You'd be better off contacting those people and invite them all out for dinner and have a chat with them. It's more cost effective. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, look at where your weak points are. You know, I'm fascinated by weak points and fixing them. And I only know the weak points if I'm paying attention. So when I have meetings with people, we have very quick 10-minute meetings. I say, just tell me what's wrong, what's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we fix that? Because we learn so much more from failure than we do from success. And I say this yeah. all the time. You know, just allow for failure. You have to. If you're not failing, then you're not really trying hard enough. Uh, you should test, you know, five ideas. Uh, you know, if two of them work, that's brilliant. Uh, but, you know, really three of them shouldn't mm-hmm. because you should be thinking so outside of the square that yeah. the world isn't quite ready for your ideas. And, uh, you know, I love that ad, the Apple ad from uh, probably 40 years ago, maybe 30. And it was uh, the crazy ones, you know, the people who are the real rule breakers. and they're the ones who come up with ideas that you think, that's just crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and you want to be one of those people. Yeah. Because, see, previous, you can't be replaced. Mm-hmm. You are the one that has the crazy ideas and new and innovative ways of doing everything and you question yes. everything. Yes. Then, oh, my God, I really want those people around me. Yeah. So, yes, I look at my audience uh, and I like them to be brutal. And, you know, one very clear way of doing it is just see when they pick the phone up and that's the weak spot. And it's yeah, probably right. about two minutes before that, but they're being polite. So, you know, and then they just give up and think, now pick the phone up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. Maz, in talking about leadership, you provide a really interesting comparison between the corporate world and making a show. Uh, end to end, you had about 12 weeks to make The Celebrity Apprentice. And, you know, you talked about the fact that you simply don't have time to go on leadership programs in a 12-week period. How do you create a strong team in such a compressed time frame? Yeah, TV is uh, slightly crazy. So, oh, there's a helicopter going over. <laughs> Not the sound of helicopters. Oh, great. I've, uh, got a, I've got a rubbish truck outside my window, so the penalties you. can hear that. Mm, oh, don't worry. It's life, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, you have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in TV, we, when a show is commissioned, uh, everyone always wants everything instantly in TV. So you'll have, I think the fastest was the Celebrity Apprentice, and I think it was 60 days from. Uh, the show being commissioned to us actually uh, turning over the cameras. And you think 60 days, but that includes, that was literally someone walking into my office and saying, we're making it. Okay. And then I'll go, okay. And then I'll speak to head of production and say, I need location. Uh, I need staff, I need desks. I need, because we don't have, you know, an office for 60 mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. just waiting for us. So you know, the that yeah. we have, yeah. So we have to start from absolutely from scratch. I'm very clear with my messaging. So I will say to my teams, we are the number one show. And we'll write that on the wall. Say, that's what we are. Everything we do is about getting us to this point. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about how we can make it different and better than everyone else is doing. So we will say, you know, where's the funny? Where's the surprise? Where's the emotion? 
uh, we build uh, teams of people that are innovative, smart and different. Uh, we need lots of people who can organise. So we build our own team and we build the cast in a similar way that you want people who are going to bring different attributes to the team. Uh, we lose all the cliches. So we write them on the wall in the edit suite. It's not my time to go. I really want to win this. I'm going to give it 110%. <laughs> I'm nervous but excited. Uh, I've got a really big decision to make. Uh, we ban them. Uh, please take to the stage without further ado. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, because you've heard it all before. Yeah, yeah. If you say to anybody in any situation, Katie, how are you feeling? They will say the same thing. I'm nervous but excited. And when I tell you this, it will ruin every show you ever watch because I used to say to my team, play bingo, write down all of these and give it a tick when you hear it because you'll hear it, definitely. Yeah. Not my time to go, I really want to win this, going to give it 110%. I'm nervous but excited. A really big decision to make. Uh, and it's white noise. And we do it in business. Yes. You know, people, uh, you know, LinkedIn, so I do lots of LinkedIn consultancy with people and uh, they generally have I am an experienced X with 20 years experience of Y uh -huh. Uh -huh. and yeah. it's very, very, very similar to everyone else. Uh, it it is. Mean, really. Yeah, it's that you've been doing it for a long time. It doesn't mean you're good at it. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I do a lot of coaching with people around uh, their LinkedIn profiles and the way that they present and, and profile themselves. And... I insist that the first sentence just knocks you out of the park. What different, Have interesting. It, I want it to compel me to keep reading. Yeah, mm. it has to. It absolutely yeah. has to. And it can be anything. I did. Um, uh, I do lots of workshops with people. I teach them how to pitch. And there was a woman writer and uh, we finally uh, broke down what it is that she does. And her pitch was fantastic. She said, um, I'm really average. Really, 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 really average. Uh, that's the thing that's really interesting about me. I live in a suburb that is the average suburb in Sydney. I live in a house that is the mean price for the area. I have 2.5 children. I drive a Holden. I even have average blood pressure. <laughs> now, if you wanted to do a poll of the entire country, you could just come around to my house, sit down, have a chat. I'll tell you, <laughs> I am that average. And it was just so lovely. You know, yeah, it's, it's fun and it's funny and it's different. And she became known as uh, the average woman. You see, that's brilliant, isn't it? What is different about you? If, it, if you're not different, yeah. then I, I can't remember you. And I teach people like you what I call sticky information. So what is the information that's going to stick in my head when you're gone? What's going yeah. to stick in my brain that you've said? Because if it hasn't stuck, it hasn't stuck and I've forgotten you. And I've forgotten your company's message and I've forgotten, mm -hmm. you know, if someone's talking about your industry, I can't remember you. I can't mention you. Mm. I want to. Mm. And it's vital. It's vital that people can tell the world who they are what they do, why they do it in a way that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you do a lot of work advising senior corporate leaders on how to be interesting. And I just love this concept. You, you say that it involves a boring audit. And I just, I love that. I want you to talk me through it in very specific detail. Yeah, everyone uh, does 
what I was saying earlier, it's white noise. And I say to people, hope is not a strategy. You have to have a strategy. And it isn't hope. You know, I hope that people watch my TV shows. No, it's not really going to cut it. I have to make sure that people watch my TV shows. So I make them interesting. Mm. I make them different. I make them compelling. I make them talk about. Lots of leaders, I think, when they arrive at work, they tone themselves very much down. They try to vanilla themselves. Mm. And if you are the perfect vanilla, that's great. But in a world of vanilla, you really want to be something different. Absolutely. You want me to, you want to be charismatic mm. and interesting. And I go through people's uh, assets and I draw out the stories. So when you tell me an amazing story, it makes me like you. And even your background on Zoom or whichever platform you're yeah. using, Teams, whatever it is, yeah. that tells a story. And then yes. uh, I think there was a Twitter feed that was all about um, people's books and what your books, what your bookshelf says about you, which is, you know, one of those kind of lovely, yeah. sweet things that yeah. you share. But yeah. it does tell a story. It does. When you walk into a room, I do this four-part thing with people that I do my A, B, C, D, and A is your attire. So I've interviewed, I would say, about 10,000 people. So mm-hmm. an enormous number of people. You know, yeah. I'm an expert in interviewing yeah. and teaching people how to be interviewed because I've done so much casting. Mm-hmm. A, attire. The first thing I know about you is what you look like. Yeah. I see you. And we take a snapshot. I certainly take a snapshot. And I backstory you from that snapshot. So I look at you and I decide how wealthy you are or how unwealthy you are, how educated or uneducated, how successful or unsuccessful you are, whether you are married, single, lovely, confident, not confident. I do, and we all do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I know I do it because it's been my job for so long. But we all do it in life. And we need to make sure that our, A, our attire, you know, fits the brand that we want the world to think of when they think of us. Yes, yep. And it's the first thing. Uh, B is your body language. What does your body language say about you? You know, mm-hmm. are you a little bit hunched over? Do you walk in, you know, little steps? Do you smile? When you shake my hand, is it like a little wet fish? Or, you know, what's it like? Or mm-hmm. in the old days, we shook hands. In the old days, yes, and indeed. In, yeah, and in Zoom, you know, you can be slumped over. You can be sitting up straight. You can smile at me. You can make mm-hmm. eye contact. If you mm-hmm. do, you know, I like that. Yeah. C is your content, your conversation. What do you say? And D is your delivery. How do you deliver it? And if you nail those four, uh, it works for every situation in life. And it's the single most important thing that everybody in life and in business has to be able to do because it opens doors or it closes doors for you. That's really first 30 seconds of television. Yeah. yeah. Well, and or meeting somebody in your life. It is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You'll see, yeah. you know, when you meet someone, they walk towards you. Three seconds. Yes. That's how quickly we make our minds up about people. Yeah. By the time they've sat down, you've already decided who mm. they are. Mm. Am I going to employ you? Do I rate you? Do I respect Do I you? you? Yeah. Do I yeah. want you sitting next to me in a meeting? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you look right? Do you look right yeah. to my brand? Yeah. You know, if you walk into the room and you tell me you're monumentally confident, which is what lots of people do in casting, I'm crazy, mate. I'm really crazy. And they're, you know, they're making themselves tiny. And you say, you know, you're probably not, which is fine. 
because you don't have to be crazy. But, you know, crazy people, you know, have a different energy. They have a different size body. They mm, think mm. differently. Yes. You know, we, we read so much about each other just from looking at each other. You think it's all babies and animals have. You know, a baby can't say, I can't quite understand what you're saying to me, mummy. They look at you and they're reading your face. Yes. And yeah. you know, animals do it with us. It's a very, very, very basic thing. Mm. And, you know, it's something we've kind of lost a little bit from ye oldie days. You think, you know, it's, we would see a mammal and we would decide whether we were lunch or they were lunch. <laughs> Are you going to eat me? Am I going to eat you? Sure. And, uh, you know, times have changed so much since then, apart from the fact that we can order Uber Eats. <laughs> just going back, uh, just before we talk about our last topic, Maz, just going back to your, your earlier comment about how much your background on a video call says about you. I am so nosy. I just find it fascinating oh, to, yeah. to look at look at people's backgrounds and and you know ask them questions i you know i want to i want to understand more you want to know more about them so you're reading you're reading the situation you're reading mm. their background mm. and it helps you it's like being a detective i do work with um the police force uh because we you know uh, i'm joking you always say to them you know we're in the same industry people lie to us for a living you know no one ever tells you the truth <laughs> on the reality tv show and my part of my job is to work out whether they're lying to me or not and uh and it's really you know it's kind of fascinating you go yes you're right we are you know we're watching each other all the time and we're yes. watching our moves and all the tells and when you're interested in people you want to know more. I'm fascinated. You know, I don't sit uh, anywhere, you know, staring at my phone. I like to look around me. I like to mm. look at people around mm. me and I read situations. And as a woman, we read situations all the time. We're not yeah. aware of it, I think, but we constantly do. You know, you get to a lift and you kind of think, oh, I'm not going to get to the lift if it's just us. I'll wait for the next one. No, I'm not going to walk <laughs> down that street. Or I'm, you look a little bit, you know, dodgy, yeah. so I'm going yeah. to, you know. And we all We all do it. Uh, it's just that I know uh, it was my job to do it. It was my job to make my mind up about people very quickly. Uh, and that's, you know, it's extraordinarily hard. If you have a minute with someone or 90 seconds and you have to decide whether they're going to be a star on your show or not, you know, it's, um, it's a big decision it's in a very way. honed skill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, for our last question, Maz, uh, it seems now that I think about it very counterintuitive to have had a very upbeat conversation and to end on a slightly lower tone, but you're really interested in anxiety at the moment and you're exploring and you're keen to do something around this topic. What, what, what have you got in mind? Um, my lovely business partner, Alison Black, did a show called Changing Minds on the ABC and uh, the Sydney Morning Herald described it as probably the most important show that was ever on Australian television. And it was the first time cameras were allowed into a mental health ward. And it really changed, I think, the way we look at each other and the way we looked at mental health. And you think, you know, 
there but for the grace of God go I really because you know you will think it's someone who's not at all like you and then you see oh my god you're just like me mm-hmm. and it's you know three you know three critical things that happen to you in your life and suddenly everything changes and Alison was saying it'd be nice to do something on anxiety because everyone's anxiety has gone through the roof mm-hmm. and I was saying to her you know very interested but only if it's different you know I don't want to do more anxiety advice that makes you anxious because I think lots of anxiety advice <laughs> makes you really anxious yes so yeah. we talked about how we would do it we said let's make it anxiety advice done differently uh so it's anxiety advice that won't make you anxious and uh Dr Mark Cross was one of the doctors on um, changing minds and he is a psychiatrist and he's very anxious uh which I was fine. <laughs> like it does sort of make me laugh. Not that he's anxious, but just given his job. Sure, sure. Uh, you think if anyone would have their act together, it would be him. Yeah, that he'd have, you know, uh, you know, he's kind of go, oh, I'm fine. I use all of my advice. But you know, yeah. if he's an anxious shrink, he really knows what it's like. Yes. From both sides, which yeah. you know, obviously makes him very good. So we uh, came up with a vodcast, and we do it every Thursday at 7.30 on Facebook, and it's called The Anxious Shrink, and it's um, anxiety advice done differently. And we went from zero to 70,000 views uh, in a four-week period with $120 spent. Wow. So it was, I know. Uh, and it was only, we uh, have a beautiful lady called Georgia from a company called Barking Mouth, and she's doing our socials. And... Uh, she called and she said, you know, it's it's going phenomenally. And uh, really, you know, tell us. So if you were a company now, literally people would be throwing rose petals in your path. And uh, we were saying to her, but we're content makers. So it's lovely of you to sound very surprised. But if it didn't work, uh, we'd really have to take a long, hard look at ourselves. Uh, because we understand audiences. We understand that if you do the same as everyone else, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. It's already out there. It's in the marketplace. What can you offer me that is different? And if you can offer the opposite of anxiety advice, make it funny uh, and a bit quirky and short, then it will possibly work. And it has. And it's great. We have a lovely community of people who are very lovely and supportive of each other. And uh, we talk about different topics, how to deal with change, why we need to laugh. This week we did... uh, anxiety in the workplace what we can do to counter it so we just talk about stuff that's on our minds really and um it seems to be working which is wonderful cool. you know see previous if we're making content and it doesn't work we need to take a very long hard look at ourselves <laughs> well you do but those uh, those stats are pretty pretty phenomenal and um definitely worth a listen that's that's fantastic maz I could keep talking to you for hours, but, you know, going back to your last point, the, um, brevity is important and that's not quite <laughs> what we've mastered again here, but uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. You shared lots of really interesting and thought-provoking insights. It's been fab. Thank you so much. Uh, absolute pleasure. It's been absolute pleasure to talk to you. I think what you're doing is it's brilliant. It's really good. And um, I'm learning a lot from your podcast, so thank you. You're very kind. Thanks, Maz. I've been Katie Bennett-Stenton. Thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast. You can find me at Katie B Marketing on Twitter or Katie Bennett-Stenton on LinkedIn.